on today's episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. February is officially over for the Vancouver Canucks, and thank God for that if you're a fan, because February did not treat them very kind at all. We get into all of that. A potential Jake for Tannen for Danton Heinen trade was nixed over the weekend. We discussed that as well, and why it didn't go through because of anything to do on the ice. And then, of course, we also have to talk about the trade deadline. We are up to that point in the season, if you're the fan of the Vancouver Canucks, and the team's strategy heading into the trade deadline season. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Before you listen any further, subscribe to the network wherever you get podcasts. Not only do you get this show, Power of the Towel, you get the quickie, Silky and Filthy, and Sippin' on a 40. All great shows, one swipe, one tap. And today is March 1st. We're recording this on March 1st. And the Vancouver Canucks somehow lost on the 29th, 30th, and 31st of February. First NHL team to ever do that. It really is remarkable if we go back and look at the Vancouver Canucks in February, how far they fell. There was still hope at the beginning of February. There was still promise. Still a lot of promise that they could turn things around. And they honestly, they played a bit, they played better in February. I don't think you can say they played worse in February, but just the results speak for themselves. Two wins in 13 games. It started off February with that brutal, brutal road trip out east. Two losses against the Canadians, three against the Maple Leafs. And then ended it with a brutal stretch against the Jets and the Oilers where they lost every game. So a pretty brutal stretch for the Vancouver Canucks. February was not very kind. Again, two wins in 13 in the month of February. The numbers don't lie, as they say. But again, they, they were playing better. I think that's the, the, the frustrating part if you're a fan of this team, is they played better in February, but the results did not change. And when that happens, when a team's playing better, but still not getting the results, then you have to start questioning if this team was even good to begin with. Because honestly, if you're playing well, if you, these are the, if, you're, if we're saying here, the Vancouver Canucks are playing well, and they can't seem to get these results, well then, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem. We have a problem if that's true. Again, over we're recording this on a Monday. Over the weekend, since we last had an episode, not much happened except for the Vertanen trade, which we'll get to momentarily. But there was no GM news, no coaching news. And I think, like we said on Friday, welcome to the lame duck season. The Vancouver Canucks are likely going to go through this entire season with Jim Benning as a general manager of the team. They will not be making an in-season GM change. That'll probably happen after. If there was fans in the building, if this was the letdown after a second-round playoff series, then yes, a change would have been made if there was revenue coming in. But this is a situation the team is in. <coughs> this is just a situation the team is in. That they are going to have to play out the remainder of the games not knowing if you're under contract for next season, who the GM or coach is. Now, the big news over the weekend was a potential Jake Vertanen for Danton Heinen swap. That was underway between the Vancouver Canucks and the Anaheim Ducks. The Vancouver Canucks would have traded Jake Vertanen for Danton Heinen, swapping out Abbotsford for Langley. Dan Heinen from Langley, BC. Swapping out Abby for Langley. And why didn't this trade go through? Quite simply, it came down to dollars and cents. Jake Vertanen is owned a significant amount of his contract next season, $3.7 million, I believe, in actual salary. Not the cap hit, 
Not the cap hit. Actual, actual salary. And for the Vancouver Canucks, that is almost a poison pill. That is almost an untradeable contract. For 3.7 actual dollars, 3.7 million, just can't happen. Just can't happen for a lot of these teams. Can't happen for a team like Anaheim, who's under the same budget pressure. It's going to be hard for the Canucks to trade a guy like Jake Vertanen when he's making 3.7 American dollars, 3.7 million American next season. It's going to be very tough to trade that. And simply, that's what it came down to. Dollars and cents. Money was the issue. Again, two wins in 13 games for the Vancouver Canucks in the month of February. Not a good stretch. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. Again, welcome to lame duck season. Welcome to lame duck season. This week, we have the Jets, obviously, tonight at the time of recording. They're playing two against the Jets back-to-back, and then back to the old Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadiens grind. I think the math, the math just doesn't add up for the Vancouver Canucks to make a serious run. All these teams have games in hand. Again, 8-14 and 2 overall record. It's, it, the math just doesn't add up for the Canucks to be a playoff team this season, and I, I hope everyone's prepared for that. I think most people are, but if you're still holding out that they can make some sort of presence trophy-level run, that was ended with this four-game homestand between the Jets and the Oilers. Anyways, our guest this week is none other than Joshua Ray of the Avid Discussers podcast. Just a minute! Don't hang up! Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Okay, so we now welcome on the Power of the Towel podcast, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. We have Joshua Ray of the Avid Discussers podcast. Josh, how's it going today? Good, good. I'm doing well. And contributor for the Canuck Way. Oh, well. yes, of course. How, how silly of me to forget that. Uh, yeah, no worries. First, first of all, am I, are, are we tight enough that I can call you Josh? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, I just want to make sure. And before we get started with, you know, Connects Talk, this is a Connects podcast, Avid Discussers. I love the name just because it's straight to the point. It's like you are avidly discussing things on this podcast. Like, where, where did you come up with that name? Funny story, actually. About around, no, uh, around February, January of March. Oh, uh, no, February. Uh, I don't actually remember. Uh, Markstrom's agent went on 1040, sadly now defunct. And he said, like, there's, the media is full of avid discussers. And then Thomas Dran said, avid discussers would be a great name for a Vancouver sports podcast. And I said, you know what? I'll take the name whenever I start my podcast. And I started it around June with Ty Party, who was on the sh- a show as a co-host for about I had him. Months. I had him on the show as well. Great guy. Yeah, great guy. Great takes. Uh, he had to leave the show because of school which was totally understandable and i just took the reins myself and yeah you said it straight to the point it's all about avidly discussing all things canucks hockey and we do other sports as well yeah and uh first of all what school's not that important let's let's be real school's not really that important we don't really need to take school over podcasting right like podcasting is the future have you have you tried to convince ty to come back like screw school oh uh i have but He'll come back occasionally as a co-host when he's not busy because he has a job too. I, I, I also like the fact that you squatted on a podcast name for close to like six months. That's dedication. Yeah. I, I was like, no one's going to take it anyway, so might as well keep it. Were you, wor- were you worried at any point like someone's going to like swipe the name from you? What would you no. have done otherwise? Honestly, coming up with the name was the hardest part. Of starting the podcast, I know I had the, I had the same struggle. Like I wanted to do something with a towel, and it was like, well, well, I wanted to do something like offside or over the line, um, to the point. But I knew that probably is taken or walk the line, thanks to Quinn Hughes. But Avid Discussions was just perfect, and thankfully, and I was right, nobody took it. Yeah, and you know what? Your your the podcast is much better for it uh okay so let's get to some canucks talk you know this is a canucks podcast after all 
I, I made it. I made the joke earlier in this show that the Canucks may be the first team in NHL history to lose on the 29th, 30th, and 31st of February. Like that February was that bad of a month for the Vancouver Vancouver Canucks. Like two wins. We all know stats. Two wins in 13. Started off with that brutal road trip out east in Montreal and Toronto, then ended with a brutal four game homestand uh, with uh, Winnipeg and Edmonton. In those in those Sprite jerseys, which by the way. They're probably retiring those jerseys after this, right? Like, there's yeah, no, there's no way you can keep on wearing those sprite jerseys, the reverse retros after, because they'll forever be associated with this terrible stretch of Canucks hockey. But I just want to get your thoughts on February as a month for the Vancouver Canucks, because again, two wins in thirteen, and at the end of the day, they did actually play better. Like, if you watch those games, especially that last game from Toronto onwards, they played better, but they just weren't able to get the results. And sometimes that's the name of the game. Just got to win. Just win, baby. Yeah, February has been a brutal, brutal month for the Vancouver Canucks. Like you said, two wins in 13. And yeah, they have played better, but they're finding all these creative ways to lose, whether that's getting blown out, uh, blowing leads, or even you're playing well, but you just can't beat a backup goalie. Eh, like a lot of things aren't going right for this team. Like, you see so many defensive mistakes. At times they can't score. Sometimes they can score. Special teams has been a has been a concern. Like, it's all, it pretty much is a lost season at this point. Last I checked, their playoff odds were like 7.5% or something like that. I don't exactly remember. And uh, those odds aren't very good. So, honestly, I, I expect this. Well, pretty much everyone expected the team to take a a step back this season, but I was one of those people who are like, oh, they're still going to make the playoffs anyway, probably like at the fourth, the fourth seed. And, but there are like people like the athletic saying, oh, they're going to finish sixth. And I was like, yeah, I kind of understand where you're thinking from, but yeah, shut, uh, shut the hell up nerds. We know, we know hockey. We don't know. We don't, we don't trust the athletic. That was my reaction to course sort of at the beginning. I was kind of offended. Yeah. I mean, I kind of scoffed at it, uh, but then, um, Reality struck. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I did not expect it to be this bad. But there are some bright spots. Like, Nils Hoglander is probably the biggest because every night he just puts into the eff- puts in the effort. Every shift. Um, Quinn Hughes is having quite the season. Uh, he's leading all defensemen in points despite being – I know plus and minus for you all people – uh, it's like an irrelevant stat nowadays. I kind of agree, but having like that many points as a defenseman while um, having like one of the worst plus minuses in the NHL, it's it's quite mind boggling. Um, and Brock Besser is leading the Canucks in goals right now as we speak, and his shot has looked like the one we have seen in his rookie season. So it's a uh, it's been a pretty horrific season. Uh, so far but there are very few bright spots yeah absolutely and you know i was talking to uh to kyle bowen earlier host of uh the sip it on a 40 post game show and also one of the co-hosts of the silicon filthy podcast on this network and here's my worry josh okay we're sitting here talking about the fact that the vancouver canucks pretty much have no hope of making the playoffs right like the, the numbers have been crunched endlessly like online and people it's been said before the canucks need a presence trophy level run here to get into the playoff picture. Just not even, that's not even guaranteed, doesn't really guarantee him a spot just to get in the picture, right? Like you got to go on a Tampa Bay Lightning 2018-19 type run to get into the postseason. But with the way this division is shaping out, or just the way this season is shaping out, right? All these teams, you know, only seven teams in the division, you're playing six other teams. They're all taking points off each other. The Canucks aren't really going to be officially eliminated from the playoffs until what, like end of the month, maybe early April. So you still have a month and a, and a bit where the Canucks are still theoretically going to be not eliminated from playoff contention. And I'm worried that, you know, the management is going to start, is going to use that as an excuse to be like, oh, we're not out of the playoffs just yet. Let's, you know, we, let's keep battling. Let's keep going through it. Like that's not, honestly a big word for me. Like it's, it, we need as, fans of this team deserve a management team that's going to be proactive. I'm just worried with the way this division is set up. The, 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 the management team is just going to procrastinate these, this decision until the last minute. 
yeah, this management team, they they know their jobs are on the line if this team doesn't make the playoffs. And they're going to, we've seen this in years past, like last year, they traded for Tyler Toffoli in order to save save their jobs. And this management team has been like the past few years, oh, we want to make the playoffs every year. We want to be competitive, yada, yada, all that, while not sticking to a rebuild. And instead, like, of paying, like, guys like Jay Beagle, $3 million for four years, Antoine Roussel, Louis Erickson, the list goes on. And, um, listen, like, you got to have a – it can't just be make the playoffs every year and lose in the first round or even the second round. It's, a, it's about building a contender that can contend for the Stanley Cup for five, six, maybe even ten years. If, if that's possible. But instead of trying to add more picks, more prospects, instead they're trading away picks, which is kind of weird because Jim Benning's biggest strength is drafting. Yep. And yes, Elias Pedersen is, is the, the face of this franchise going forward. Quinn Hughes is uh, a game-changing defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks, but... Their um their entry level deals expire at the end of this year, and a large chunk of this cap is gonna. Oh, sorry, that's my computer. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not right now, but a large chunk of this cap is gonna go to their contracts, and they're gonna want big money. And this year, it's different, obviously, due to COVID and the cap situation. Like the, also the Wongo cap recapture penalty that. That really stings as well. Uh, I just can't believe the Canucks are the only team in the league to have this sort of thing. Yeah, no, they just needed to, you know, tell Luongo to go on go on injured reserve, right? Like pull a Chris Pronger. I think Chris Pronger might be still on yeah. Arizona Coyotes books. I believe pretty he ridiculous. is. Yeah. And he said, like, he's pretty much retired. Like, no one's saying anything. No one's raising any eyebrows. Everyone's just, for some reason, cool with it. Yeah, cool. But uh, to get back to, the, to your question, or... Yeah, this management, uh, I don't see them lasting. Um, I think I said this on my last episode, that if they're here next year and this team just makes the playoffs, I will be very surprised. Ve- like, very surprised. And the next GM is going to have his work cut out for him, like, with the cap situation. What are they going to do with Pedersen and Hughes' contracts? Um, like, how are they going to move some more money and all that? So the next GM, he's going to... Whoever it is, he's going to have a tough time. And also, Travis Green, the coach. Um, does he want to keep him around? Ian Clark, the goaltending whisperer. we got to keep him around, right? Because look what he's doing to Demko. So uh, this management, um, I've been critical of them for quite a few years now. The, like you said, they're probably going to come up with some sort of excuse saying, um, I don't know, it's a shortened season. There was COVID, which is totally, totally understandable in a way. Like in the, in the years past, they would blame injuries for not making the playoffs. They would think that the team um, could make the playoffs, but um, I could also, they're going to like try to make a move that'll save their jobs. But the playoffs are very unlikely right now. And like you said, they have to go on some kind of miracle run to even get into that contention. And the chances of that are like, Zero zero point zero zero one out of hundred. Yeah, no, so, no. Play, playoffs aren't happening this year for the yeah, Vancouver Canucks. I think I think most people have have come to that conclusion. But again, they're not going to be officially eliminated from playoff contention until probably a month from now. And just to go on the excuse thing, I don't know if you remember last uh, last Canucks broadcast they had uh, IMAC on the intermission panel, and I, I found it interesting. At one point, he's essentially I think I I tweeted it out. I thought he was laying the gra- groundwork for what the excuses were going to be from this management team if they don't do anything at the trade deadline. Right? If we have a repeat of the 2016 trade deadline, you're already hearing the, uh, you're already hearing the excuses. Like, I don't know if you, if you got word from management, that's the plan or whatever. But at the, at the same time, like he's already saying like, oh, we can't have Elias Patterson and Quint Hughes play meaningless games down the stretch. Oh, COVID's going to be tough. And fair enough, like COVID is going to be a legitimate excuse. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to be proactive with this, right? You can't use every team has to deal with COVID. It's not just the Canucks who have to deal with COVID restrictions, every other team. So 
it's you know you have to find a way around it and i'm i'm sure like it's easy to use covid as an excuse but at the end of the day again every other team is dealing with covid every other team is dealing with revenue issues it's about how you creatively manage around that it's going to be a big a big challenge for the vancouver canucks yeah totally like covid that's that's totally an, an excuse but every team like you said goes through it every player is going to quarantine uh, not just in canada but i guess in the united states now thanks to the 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 new government but um there's, i think imac also said something like it's going to cause another like cause bad culture in the locker room or something you know what causes and, bad culture losing yeah, exactly so you can't you can't do any worse than you're doing right now in my opinion yeah and like they're not like the young players are not going to be happy with certain guys leaving well i'm sure they weren't happy with um, players leaving this past offseason. Yeah. So sorry, sorry, I have oh. to I have to cut you off there. Okay, I, th- this has been a, a big like rumor, like that why to explain why a player like Quinn Hughes hasn't been up to the level that he's been at. Right, like you can say like Quinn Hughes he has the points this season, but if you go on natural stat trick and you look at those five on five numbers, he's been pretty bad defensively at five on five. And I know like Chris Tanner was probably a big. Big help to him in his rookie year. He used to call him dad. He used to go over for dinner. We know all the stories, right? But again, what are these players like saying, Josh? It's a business. It's a business, right? If you are a professional athlete and you are expecting to play with your buddies your entire career, you're in for a bad time. Like, that's just not how it works. Like, if legitimately, if Quinn Hughes is not, is upset because his buddy left the team and that's why he's playing well, that's a big red flag for me going forward for the next contract. If he can't handle the fact that this is a business, he's getting paid very well, and he can't play with his buddies his entire career, like that's a problem. We have a problem if that's true. I don't want I don't want to believe it's true, but we have a problem if that is true. Totally, totally, and it, yeah, it is a business. You're uh, not going to be with your best friend in the NHL. If like, you want, if you want to play with your buddies, go join our beer league team. Exactly, and uh, I. Like, I get, like, you, you would be upset, but don't let it, like, affect your play. Like, oh, my buddy's yeah. not playing with me anymore. Uh, I'm just going to play poorly because I'm sad. It, like, it's a business. And if that is the case, like, uh, you got you need someone to straighten them out. And we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And I don't want to think that this is the case. And um, I'm, I'm thinking, why would they be upset if someone like Tanner Pearson or Jordy Ben leaves at the deadline? Um so honestly, it's sell it's sell at the deadline at this point. Sell it, sell what you got. Like Tanner Pearson is probably no is actually the the asset that could be traded away for some good value, like a third round pick, maybe a second. Yeah, and let's talk about the trade deadline a bit. Uh, Craig Cousins of the Athletic. I don't know if you've read this article. He listed all he did the, like the trade bait article, right? Like all the players that could be on the move this twenty twenty one trade deadline. Whatever it, it looks like in a in the COVID season, so the three Canucks players are Brandon Sutter, Jay Vertan, Tanner Pearson. That's where he had. Guess where he had out of twenty? I think he had twenty something names. Guess where Brandon Sutter was? Guess where Jake Vertanen was on that list? And J- guess where Tanner Pearson were on this list? I want to see if you can guess it. Hmm. I'm sure Brandon Sutter was probably was he below twenty? Not even on the list. No, Brandon Sutter was on the list. On the list. Like, was he, like, hmm, 13th? Let's say. You're not going to believe this. He was 8th. 8th? Brandon Sutter was 8th on that list. I have the article right here. Because Kyle, I was talking to Kyle Bowne earlier as well. He could not believe this. This is what Brandon Sutter, like, scouting report was from an exec. He's a hardworking third-line guy. He's slowing down. Does he have value at the trade deadline? Sure, he's got value. He's got a big contract. You wouldn't want to take on much money to add him. Hmm. That, well, that's interesting. At least there's interest out there. So, um, and he's been playing not too badly this season. Like I believe he has six goals already. No so, assists though. As no a assist. center. That's that's the thing. But if you can get some value for him, pull the trigger. Yeah, and you're probably gonna have to eat some salary back. Like again, four point three seven five. For a bottom yeah, six forward, not that many teams are going to want to do that. And I worry for, you know, a lot of these deals, you know, the fact that there's no revenue coming in for the Aquilinis might hold back uh, some of these deals. Okay, Jake Vertanen's on this list. Where do you think he is? 12. Oh. 
12? Yeah. He was 17th. Oh. He was 17th. And where do you think Tanner Pearson was? Tanner Pearson's probably fourth. Probably going to be. No, he was 18th. He was somehow ranked below Jake for 10. Oh. I know. It was, it, was, it was a weird, weird, weird list. But it, like, let, like, I, think, I guess this is a good time to talk about the potential Jake for 10 and trade that happened over weekend. Jake for 10 for uh, Danton Heinen, Abbotsford for Langley. Um, it looks like at the end of the day, you know, the Canucks want to get an actual player back for someone like Jake Verdan. They also want to dump his salary, which in my view would probably be the smarter long-term move, right? Just get that contract off your books and move on and try and spend that more efficiently elsewhere. But, you know, all this, all the reporting that I've read is essentially the Vancouver Canucks, because of the backloaded nature of the deal, you know, he's getting paid three point four actual dollar, three point four million actual dollars, on the uh, next season compared to his two point something salary cap. That was the big thing for Anaheim. They didn't want to pay the actual dollars, and because the Canucks didn't want to eat some of that salary themselves, the deal's kind of off. But yeah, that's that's the thing that makes me scratch my head. Like eight hundred, I believe they didn't want to eat up the eight hundred thousand uh, dollars, and I. I mean, COVID, sure, you're losing revenue, but $800,000 isn't much to someone like Aquilini. And Danton Heinen, I, I don't mind him as a player, but uh, Jake Vertanen, I guess I'd rather trade him for, uh, I don't know if you can get maybe some, like long-term, something like picks or maybe a prospect, but I don't see that happening. And uh, looking back, uh, they probably should have moved on from Vertanen in the offseason and yeah. Um, used that cap to tr- should have at least tried to bring back Tyler to Foley, but they so called ran out of time. And Jake for Tannen, um, I was happy with the pick in 2014, I'll admit it. And I'll admit I was a big Vertanen truther up until 2018, 2019. But, and I really, really did want him to work out here. Local kid. And there's a lot to like about his game. He's fast, he can shoot, and he can hit. But the things that kill it is his hockey IQ and also his attitude. Like, I remember in the playoffs, he was like one-on-one. I don't remember. Was this against Vegas or St. Louis? Might be against Vegas. And instead of taking it to the net, he just passed it backwards. Like, I was like, but that's a no-brainer. Take it to the net. You can score or at least get a rebound. Yeah, no. And Jake Vertanen's had a lot of weird, questionable hockey decisions like that on the ice. I still can't forget this season when he dumped the puck in. In three on three overtime, when he was on the ice, I will not. Ne- I will never forget that. That's like the all time. That will forever be etched in my mind as the quintessential Jake Vertanen play with the oh, Vancouver Canucks. That. that and the one I just mentioned are like the two Vertanen plays that all pop up in my mind when someone mentions Vertanen down the line in the future. But uh, like, I really wish he panned out here, but unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and Dan Heinen, like, again, he's an he's an okay. He's very he's very much like Jake for ten. He had like one good season, and then really didn't do anything else after that so far in his in his NHL career. And it, maybe he like enjoy the change of scenery in Vancouver. Maybe he enjoyed you know quote unquote coming home. But again, like, you might as well just try, in my opinion, try and see if you can get, like, a pick for him, just get rid of the contract. Don't take any money back. Like, that, to me, would be the win for a Jake Vertanen trade is if you can get out of that contract. And only Jim Benning, I was saying this today to one of my buddies, only Jim Benning could sign a two-year deal for, like, a 24-year-old forward and then immediately be untradeable afterwards. Like, that that, that, Vertanen, that Vertanen contract that's aged so poorly in such a quick amount of time, I honestly can't believe it. Kind of sums up Jim Benning's tenure as a GM in a way. Yeah. The whole Vertanen thing. It kind of sums him up. Yeah, no, it's uh Jake Vertanen's gonna be interesting to see how they how they get out of that one. Uh Tanner Pearson. Now again, I don't get this list from the athletic. They have him eighteenth. Eighteenth, Brand Sutter eighth. I, I don't 10. I I don't yeah, you would I think a lot of teams would want, you know, uh Tanner Pearson on it. I'm gonna read his little blurb right now. Uh He'd have some value. He's a good, solid winger, said exec. Not flashy, but he can produce. He can play with good players. Now, I know uh, Elliot Friedman reported that the Arizona Coyotes are interested in him. You got to think, like, to me, 
Tanner Pearson is a really good third line player. Like on a, on a, on, a, on a true on a true contender, he'd be a good third line player. Yeah, so lots, of, lots so, to like about him. Exactly. So like maybe like a, a second third round pick, but at the end of the day, like I don't see how much value. Like this is what I was trying to say, you know, to to one of my buddies is, look, they have yeah sure they have, they have like you know players they can trade. They can trade a Branson. They can trade a Tanner Pearson. They can trade a Jake for ten. But like how much value are you getting back? They're not you know big 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 names that teams are clamoring to have. You almost have to you know pull someone's teeth to get, take a guy like Brandon Sutter at this point or a Jake Furtanen, right? Yeah. Um, Pearson, uh, as I said, he has the most trade value, but it's not like like he can fetch you a first-round pick or a top-tier prospect, but you got to like find a way to move him. And um, like if you can get a good offer, do it. Same with Sutter, do it. Uh, like someone like Jordy Ben, is there a, is there a market for a, te- uh, a deaf defenseman? If there is, and you can get a good return back, do it. So I'm all in on selling at the deadline on all four of those guys. Yeah, and it's going gonna, gonna to be interesting with the uh, with the deadline as well because you have a situation, like I, I've said on this podcast before, welcome to the lame duck season. Like you have a, a, a guy in Jim Benning who by all intents and purposes is not going to be here next season. I think the rain's kind of on the wall there. You have a head coach in Travis Green who doesn't know if he's going to be here next season, and he's not going to, you know, play a guy like... People are asking, oh, like, uh, Jack Rathbone, he should get some time. Well, like, is Travis Green really going to play this guy, this rookie? This guy never played, just played four AHL games, unless he has a contract for next season? Like, there's not really going to be any incentive for him to play a guy like Jack Rathbone unless he's here long-term. And even for Jim Benning, look, again, Jim Benning, he's not... It's it's almost a lame duck season for him because he it he's probably not going to be back. So what incentive does he have to sell and make the right decisions long term? If anything, he's going to try and do something to, to save his job. To save his job exactly, but I don't think that's going to happen because Francesco Aquilini isn't going to let him. That he's already like made up his mind that there's going to be a next GM, and you're just going to. I can honestly foresee a situation, and as much as it pains me to say, I can foresee a situation where the Canucks just stand back. Or stand, you know, stand still at the deadline, and that would be an absolute travesty, like we saw in 2016. But I can honestly see a situation where you know they they don't do anything because again, what incentive does Jim Benning have to make the smart long term decision here? That is very true. And if they don't do anything at the deadline, I'll be like, you know, like disappointed but not surprised because if Jim Benning no and his management group know they're not going to be back next year, what's the point, right? So I'm not going to be here next year. I'm not going to uh, make this team better for the future. I'm just not going to do anything, and I'll be on my way out. Goodbye. I'm sure that's probably what's going to be. He's going to he's going to be thinking at the deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Again, with with no future for for Jim Benning likely here in Vancouver, it's going to be hard for him to like. We've all been in jobs before where like we know we're leaving. And then uh, you know we kind of half-ass yeah. it at the end. Like I've been there in plenty of jobs. It's probably oh, I've why been I don't, there too. That's probably why I don't have a job right now. But you know, like you know, we've all been we've all been in situations where we kind of just half-ass it at the end because we know we're leaving. And I can see Jim Benning doing something like that, right? Just kind of half-ass it the rest of the way. And at the end like, of the day, totally, though, it's up to totally. Francesco Aquilini to make a decision to you know put someone in place who has a long-term vested interest. And I know it's tough in COVID, but I don't know. I, I, it's, I can, yeah, I agree with you. I can honestly foresee a situation where they just don't do anything. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. So, uh, one player we haven't really talked about so far is JT Miller. Now I saw some people online talk about, they want to trade JT Miller. It's time to trade JT Miller. I'm still of the belief that JT Miller trade was a good trade. I live by the belief, Josh, that I also have a gambling show. It's free money. It's not gambling if you win, only if you lose, okay? So, yeah, it was a gamble trading JT Miller, but you won. You won the trade. So it's not really gambling. You didn't really gamble at the end of the day. You just won. And I think JT Miller can still be a valuable piece in the top six of the Vancouver Canucks. It's just I think JT Miller's issue is when he's on a bad team, when he's in a losing situation, it can really get to him. And we're seeing it so far this season. Like, he is like... How many f bombs have we heard? Like how many like fucks have we heard from JT Miller this season? And maybe because there's you know 
no fans in the stand. We can hear him more clearly, but you know he he's visibly frustrated on the ice. Some of these turnovers, like I I, I know the one against uh, Matthews in Toronto really stood out, but there's some times where he you know he gives the puck up and then he doesn't really give a shit afterwards. Like that's the worst. That's a terrible sign to me. This guy's just like he gives the puck over, turns the puck over, and then just doesn't give a fuck afterwards. Like that's a real big issue for me. So. Like, what would you do with, with JT Miller going forward? I think, I, like, I think his cap hit, the way I know he fits on that top line with Elias Pettersson and, uh, and Bo Horvat, if they get decide to put the lot of line back together going forward, I think he can still be a good contributor for this team. But I just worry if, like, because I don't think, you know, it's not going to be a quick fix for the Canucks. It's going to take a couple of seasons to rebuild that depth. Do you want a guy like JT Miller around to, for all that losing? Um, yeah, JT Miller has been like a totally different player from last year. Like last year, he, he was one of the best Canucks forwards. And now it's like, I'm watching a different guy. Like, is, is this the real JT Miller? Is that a, is that an imposter? Like, where's the real JT Miller then? And like, he's, he's looked frustrated. He's been swearing like, well, we can hear him clearly because there's no fans in the stands. And he just looks disinterested in t- at times. Like the Matthews, um, goal, uh, there was a few turnovers against Montreal, um, that looked really poor. It's like, is this the same Miller from last year? Because it clearly isn't. Like, what happened? Uh, he's like, I get it. You're sick of losing, and you don't like being on a losing team, and it's frustrating. But, uh, like, I like, I don't know what's what's going on with him. And for fans saying Trey J T Miller, like, I I see where you're coming from, like, because he has some value, and I guess he could get you a good return, but I wouldn't do it at this point. I wouldn't do it. And uh, the JT Miller trade, I criticized it like really heavily at the time, but it, it turned out uh, pretty well for the most part. And no, I want JT Miller to stick around with his team uh, longer because he showed it last year that he can provide leadership. He can provide offense. He can play defensively. And the versatility um, is why, Jim Benning set out to acquire him and I, and it's great. You can have a guy who can play center or, or wing on both wings actually. And um, I just don't know what's going through his head or we don't even know what's going on um, through closed doors anyways. But uh, I, I wrote an article about this. He just needs to find some consistency because we've seen him um, score some pretty big goals this year, like that big uh, slap shot against Calgary after Maggiapani scored. That was um, the JT Miller from last year coming back. But we need to see it more often because, you know, I love the guy. He, he's a type of guy you'd want in your locker room. And the players, they, um, they love having him around. Like there's that video of him last year in the playoffs, like reading the lineup card, all fired up. We need that Miller back, not uh, whoever this JT Miller is. The disinterested, frustrated um, nothing wrong with dropping F-bombs now and then. Um, but um, we need the, the Miller who can help provide offense, who can help spark the team. He is the engine that drives the lotto line. We need that Miller back. And trading him, I get where you're coming from. But um, I want him to stick around with his team and be that guy, be that leader for Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser going forward. Yeah, like I agree. I think you got to keep a guy like JT Miller around, and hopefully, you know, his attitude improves when the steam starts, you know, w- winning again. Hey, I, I, you're 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 preaching to the choir here, Josh. Like I've said it on this podcast before. JT Miller may not be the best player on the Vancouver Canucks, but he may be the most important in terms oh, yeah, of what he does and what he does for that top line, what he does for the power play. And you know, you can't. I like you, you trade a guy like JT Miller, maybe you get a first round pick back. You probably honestly get a first round pick back. You get that pick back, but then you're waiting however long to get that, develop that player and get him in a top six role again. Like you have a guy who's good in the top six right now in JT Miller. You might as well just keep the guy yeah, who you have right now and see if you can make some other moves around the, the edges to improve this team's depth. Cause that's the big issue is the depth. Oh yeah, that's big. It's been it's been an issue for years. Death and um, lack of death. Um, it just shows that you can't really win hockey games. And um, if you trade JT Miller for a first round pick, sure you can get a pretty good prospect. 
but um, you'll probably wait a year, maybe two, maybe three for him to pan out and become a top six player. Or the worst case scenario, he might just be a flat out bust that probably never makes to the NHL. So the JT Miller trade was a gamble uh, at the beginning. But if you want to trade him now for like a first round pick, that's another gamble. Like, because who knows how that first round pick is going to do. Like Tampa, um, they got that first and then they traded to New Jersey and they took Shakir McMullen. And we're not sure how he's going to turn out. He did look pretty good in the World Juniors, though. But um, again, it's a gamble. And I guess any trade in the NHL is a gamble, if you think about it, especially if you're trading a guy like GT Miller. And uh, I think the Canucks do need to keep him around and at least keep him for the remainder of his his contract. Yeah, he's going to be 30 at the end of it. And like, there's a whole that talk of, oh, his play is declining. Um, this um, last year was just a... I've seen some people say last year was just a was just a fluke, was just a mirage. Like this is the real JT Miller. I I, I don't believe that. L- the real JT Miller was last year's JT Miller, not this year. And again, we, we need him back, like desperately. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Look, hey, you you trade JT Miller for a first round pick. That first round pick can be anything. It would be the next JT Miller, right? So like, why not just keep the guy and see again if you can build around some other holes in the roster because that's where the issue is with the Vancouver Canucks. This team's defense, oh man, like this, this, the team defense this year has been, and I think it's gotten better. But for, oh yeah, it's the, gotten better the, the, recently. It's gotten better recently, but I think, you know, at any point I feel that this team's defense and the way they play can, can rear its ugly head. Like, you know, going forward, okay, so I was thinking about, I wrote about this for Next Misconduct. Dante Fabro, you can get, you can maybe get this guy from Nashville because of the expansion, like the Seattle expansion, right? Like, presumably, you know, Nashville is going to protect uh, Roman Yossi, uh, Ryan Ellis, and Matthias Ekholm on the blue line if they don't trade uh, Ekholm. And by the way, on that list, we talked about Ekholm was the number one trade bait. They, so they maybe, maybe they're trying to, tr- maybe they're, uh, they protect Fabro that way and his point is mute. But, you can maybe get a pit. You can maybe trade for Dante Fabro for you know pennies on the dollar because they don't want to. Preds don't want to lose him for nothing to Seattle, right? So maybe you get a guy like Dante Fabro from Nashville via via that way because I still think one of the big holes for this team going forward is a top four right shot defenseman. Like you got Quinn Hughes, but and he's a left shot. But in terms of right shot defenseman, the only guy they had before Hamnick came back was Tyler Myers. And that's just that's just not going to cut it, right? Like, who knows? I doubt. I don't think they re-signed Hamannik after this year. So no. after that, so going forward, you have Tyler Myers as your really only or only right shot defenseman. Yeah, um, that's another like off-season uh, uh, miss for Benning, like to acquire an, a right-handed defenseman to replace Troy Stetcher and Chris Tanev. Like, yeah, Nate Schmidt was a good trade, but he's a left shot defenseman, but that can play the right side, and. Yeah, I don't think uh, Travis Hamlin is going to come back next year. I, I really don't see it. I'll be very surprised if he does. But Dante Frabro is an option. And, um, yeah, that's another offseason priority for likely the next general manager, a right shot defenseman. Because having just Tyler Myers as your only yeah. true right no shot bueno. defenseman, no bueno. that's, a, that's, a, that's not going to get you anywhere. And... Oh yeah, defense has been a concern for this team for like not just this year, last year, or the year before that. And you know they say defense wins championships. You gotta how like you got a good forward core. You need a good defense to back it up. You can't rely on Thatcher Demko to put on these godlike performances every night. Like, um, like as a Canucks fan, like when the the opposition is coming down the wing, like you're sweating um, at this point because the defense is so bad and. You're unsure if Demko is going to have the ability to make a save. And um, and if I were Thatcher Demko, I'd be pretty frustrated to have this defense in front of me and also have a team that sometimes just can't score on a backup goalie. So, like, I'm doing all the heavy lifting. Help me out here. Yeah, absolutely. Thatcher Demko is actually, honestly, I think he's been one of the bright spots for the Canucks this season, totally you know, good. not necessarily because he's been otherworldly and the Canucks are winning a bunch of games and their goalie's standing on his head, but at least I think we know going forward that Thatcher Demko is going to be the starting goalie of the Vancouver Canucks. That much is certain. Brayton Holpe, 
again, when, at the time Brayton Holpe was signed, I thought it was an okay deal just because it's two years. Uh, you know, four point mil, four point something million is kind of looks like a lot of money now, but like in a compressed schedule, like you needed a, a, a credible backup option. You couldn't just ride Demko the entire compressed schedule. And at least, you know, you can maybe get out of Holpe next season somehow, some way, if someone wants to trade for, for Holpe. But at least going forward, the Canucks know, like, Thatcher Demko can be a, a starter for this team. Whether he can be an elite starter, I think, is, is still to be questioned. But he can be a starter for this team going forward. Yeah, totally. And that was the plan since he was drafted in 2014. And um, there's this, like, oh, bubble Demko's back, which we've seen glimpses of. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that performance in the bubble. Pretty much the only reason why the Canucks took Vegas to seven. And he's he's um keeping the Canucks in games. And it could have been, like, without Demko and even Holpe's performances as of late, this team would be even worse. And that's quite saying a lot, like... Um, this team is really relying on their goaltending. And I like the whole field, Hopi deal at the time. And of course, there's the whole expansion draft thing with Seattle. And there's a good chance Hopi could be exposed to Seattle because it's pretty much certain they're going to protect Demko. Yeah, no, he's getting exposed 100%. Whether Seattle takes him is another question. Yeah, totally. And if Seattle doesn't take him, then you could maybe, I don't know, if you want, you could try to trade him if uh, you could get a good offer back. But. Uh, you could also just ride him out for another year and have him as Demko's back. I'm like, he's like the perfect mentor for Thatcher Demko. Like he's a uh, former Vesna winner, like play is on, is on the decline, but we got Ian Clark um, to help him out, which we've, which we've seen happen. Like Holpe, there were some saves where uh, there were some times where he should have made a save and like uh, he bet he bounced back next game. Same with, same with Thatcher Demko. And um, whether Demko is going to be an elite starter or not, that's just still to be determined. Um, without a doubt, the starter um, for this team in the future. And thank God for Ian Clark because he's just doing he's just doing wonders. Um, he did it for Markstrom, and he's doing it on on Demko too. So um, if the Canucks can find a way to keep Ian Clark around long term, who knows what he'll do to Demko. Yeah, if you're a goalie and you want to secure that bag, go hit hit up Ian Clark because he's gonna make you a rich man. You can uh, you can look at Jacob Markstrom for that. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the whole Travis Green situation. And I, I made this point last week with uh, with Jamie Dodd at Sports at six fifty. I had on my podcast. Look under under Travis Green, he has had under Travis Green's coaching, he has had three straight players nominated for the Calder's Rookie of the Year. One of them in Elias Patterson who won it. Like, that's a very appealing stat to a team, to an NHL franchise who's looking to, you know, build around their next core. Right? Like, I, I'm thinking of the teams like Detroit, Anaheim, L.A., L.A. Kings. You know, they're, they're teams that have, like, a young core and are trying to build kind of the next version of their team. If I'm Travis, if you're one of those teams, you would definitely go out of your way to try and get a guy like Travis Green. What about Seattle? You know, they, they're purposely waiting until the end of the season to name their uh, their head coach. And I know that uh, the Rod Brindamore is a name heavily linked because Ron Francis is the GM. But they're probably also looking, you know, looking up the I-5 to, uh, to Vancouver and saying, hey, Travis Green's pretty good NHL coach. He's available potentially at the end of the season. And by all, by all counts, you know, he's gonna, Travis Green's going to be a free agent. I don't think... The Aquilinis, especially the way the season has gone, are rushing to sign him to a contract extension. Oh, what What are your thoughts on the Travis Green situation? Sh- is he a good NHL coach? Should he be the t- this coach of this team going forward? Like, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Uh, first of all, uh, yeah, I pretty I like Travis Green as a head coach, but he really gained my respect uh, in the bubble last year because yes. of the way he would match his lines and like help yes. them adjust to whether it's St. Louis or Vegas style of play. Before that, I was kind of iffy on him, but I gained so much respect for Travis in the playoffs. And um, a coach that is willing to change and adapt his game and his lines, that's what I like to see, especially with a with a, a young core like the Canucks have. And like you said, other teams um, like on the rebuild are going to be looking at him, especially like, uh, let's say, Anaheim. And apparently, Travis has, has family down in Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. And that they would live be in Southern California, yeah. Like, oh, should I go to Anaheim and be closer to my family? And they got a good young core too. 
And Seattle is also another option for him. Like, should he, um, he got an experienced NHL head coach with a new team. And like, what's not to like? Yeah. Um, but if I, if I were Jim Benning, I would have given him a contract extension. Well, I think it goes beyond Jim Benning. I think it, oh, yeah, goes, beyond it, Jim Benning. it goes to the Aquilines at the end of the day. Like, that's why I found funny about his, uh, Aquilini's whole Twitter thread about, you know, the dreaded kiss of death for the confidence. Because I firmly believe that. You ever watch Godfather 2, Fredo? Yeah, yeah that kiss of death. Yep. That's pretty much yep. what it was. And, you know, what was funny to me is, like, I have full support of Jim Benning, Travis Green. I won't be making any changes. Well, if you want to show your support, give, give Travis Green. Give, give him a contract extension. Yeah, like, I know it's probably a lot easier to give Travis Green a contract extension than Jim Benning at this point, right? Right. And I would have given him a contract extension after the playoffs. Like, oh wow, you did a you did a pretty good job in the playoffs. Here's your reward. You want to stay for a few years? Here you go. And um, I really do like what he's done with the team so far. And there are people like, oh, it's blame the coach for the losses and all that. Well, I mean, yeah, but you can blame the coach all you want. But I've said this before. There's the players on the course, the man upstairs, Jim Benning, and. Um, I hope they find a way to keep him around because he's going to be a hot commodity with a bunch of NHL teams. So um, I would prefer if he stays in in Vancouver long term. And but it's not going to be easy because um, there's going to be a lot of NHL teams calling for him, like um, like Anaheim, like Detroit, like LA, or even Seattle. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with Green. Yeah, I think the, the the perfect situation for me is Travis Green gets a contract extension, right? And then the next GM, whoever right. he is, that comes in and decides if, you know, Travis Green is their guy for for this team, right? Because I at the end of the day, like yeah. that's how it usually works when a new GM comes in, right? You know, they decide, you know, they have a meeting with and decide like if they could do it. Like right? How, I don't know how old you are, but you remember like Mike Gillis coming in and having a meeting with Elaine Vigneault? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, remember. Like, yeah. And you know, there was all there's all, I think people forget that it, maybe you know people have been memory cold here. Elaine Vigneault was also almost not the coach of the Vancouver Canucks during that run, right? Like apparently, yeah, like, I, essentially, I, essentially, Mike Gillis went 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 up to him and said, "Like, hey, I want to play this fast-paced tempo, you know, puck possession style, and you got to be able to do that. Can you do that?" And Elaine Vigneault said yes, and the rest is history. Like. Remember, his first two years with the Vancouver Canucks, Elaine Vigneault, his coaching style, he was known as a very defensive coach. Like, that was yep. his style, right? Like, I vividly remember, like, those Luongo years, especially that first year. It was like, the Canucks weren't winning 2-1 or one nothing. They they really didn't have a chance of winning, right? Like, they needed their goalies to steal games in a good defensive system. So, I think whoever the next GM is for the Vancouver Canucks, it is his right to make that coaching decision. Yep, totally, totally. It'll be up to the to the next GM. Like, do you want to keep this guy around, or do you want a new voice behind the bench? So, um, best case scenario that is that they give him a, a contract extension, and I guess worst case scenario is he leaves and um, he leaves and goes to a direct rival like Seattle. Yeah, or or Calgary because uh, um, Jeff Ward is on the <laughs> on the hot seat. Yeah, and you can joke about all about like, oh, Flames are stealing the Canucks players, but might as well steal the coach too. Like. That could possibly happen. Yeah, like Calgary needs a good coach desperately over there. Yeah, Trip Living hasn't hired a good coach in his tenure. Yeah, apparently. and yeah, pretty much like Glenn Galtson. Like we really like that, that. That's your coaching hire, really. And yeah, he could be on the hot seat too. But uh, this is a Canucks podcast. Enough flame stock. It's enough flame stock for today. Um, totally. Going forward for the Vancouver Canucks, sir. Upcoming, we're recording this on a Monday uh, on a Monday night, by the way, right before the Jets game. So this could age very poorly very quickly. But I'm just looking at their next few games. They got two against the Jets back-to-back, and then they're going out, and then uh, it's back home for two against the Leafs and two against the Canadians. Like, what do you need to see from this? What do you need to see from this team over the next five, six games? Oh yeah, this is going to age poorly, but uh, but um, I guess the obvious answer is try to try to get some offense. Like, there are games where you can't score, like. Um, tr- play, um, don't rely on your goaltender, at least, uh, tighten up defensively. And like, I know the Canucks, um, like, like it's been, I mean, I'll admit it's been a chore watching Canucks games. Like, like give us something to cheer about. 
like be watchable. Like if you lose six five in an overtime every night, I'll be pretty happy. But it's it's better than losing like seven one or or blowing a three nothing lead. Like, um, just be watchable. I think mean, that's what I'll have to say about that. <laughs> be watchable. That's a that's that just describes the Vancouver Canucks fall from the bubble. So just be watchable. That's like that's what that's what that's a, that's what I hear from a couple of my buddies as well. Just be watchable. Like I need to like. It's such a like. Sometimes it feels like a chore watching this team, and I know I like I don't have. I'm not forced to watch this team, but at the end of the day, like I've described myself before as a as a self loathing Canucks fan. Like I, it, we're all in abusive relationships right now with the Vancouver Canucks. Like we just can't we can't get out of it. Yeah, totally. Like there are times where I have to write about the game for the Canuck way, and um, if if you get like I had to write about one of the losses to the Leafs, and that oh. was painful to write. I could have just simply wrote, they were bad, good night, submit article. But obviously that isn't allowed. Why so, not? I don't know. Fan-sided protocols. <laughs> I wish it was. Because I totally would have done that. I had to like dive into the stats, find something uh, worthy to talk about. Like, what are my takeaways? Like, if you give me a three takeaways article on a night where the Canucks, well, not necessarily win, but lose 6-5 in overtime, that's a, that's a good article to write about. And, like... Chris Faber, I'm sure he said this like on Twitter. Like, it's not good being a Canucks content creator like you and I right now because the team isn't doing well. And like, sites for Canuck Way, Canucks misconduct, Canucks Army, their their numbers are down when the team isn't doing well. It's like, why would I want to read about a team that just keeps losing? Like, um, but people would want to read about a team that, well, isn't that great, but is an exciting team to watch. Like last year's team, they were. I'll admit, they were they were fun. They, it was, yeah, it was a fun team they, to watch. They, you know, you maybe you know they had that obviously really hot stretch that kind of got them into the position they got to in the bubble. But yeah, they were they were a fun team last year, and I think it's a combination of the expectations being raised. If you, in hindsight, uh, a, a bit too high maybe, and the fact that you know there's there's no fans obviously, and I think and honestly I think that playing the same... I know people are big fans of the Canadian Division, but I honestly think, like, playing the same six teams and constantly losing to the same six teams has has been, has been you know, one of the reasons why this season's felt so so terrible as well. Yeah, like, oh, like, oh, if we're playing the Oilers again, ah. Oh. Yeah, now the like, 3 nothing lead blown, right? Like, usually, nothing. you know, usually you go play again against the Oilers, you blow a 3 nothing lead, you lose 4-3, and that's it. You don't play the Oilers for like another two, three weeks. But, you know, the situation is you have to play them like again pretty much right after. Yeah. Like we had the Jets last week and here we are. And we're Jets playing the Jets again. again. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then so, we're going to have the Leafs, which uh, we just saw them a couple of weeks ago. And then the dreaded Habs. Yeah, man. And, it's, a, it's, been, it's been an interesting season in that regard. Uh, I want to end this interview on a positive note. I think the, one of the big positives from, from this season has been Niels Hoaglander. Like this guy has been, I love the way I, I described him as a, as he plays like a piece of shit. And like, in I mean that in the best way possible. Like this guy just goes like all out every shift, reverse hits. Maybe they're a bit high, but you know what? I like, I like that. Like he's a piece of shit and I like it. Like, yeah. What's there not to like about Nils Hoglander? He can throw hits. He's not afraid to get feisty and throw hits. Like sure. He's short, but he can throw hits and um, every shift, like, he, he, I said this before. He, he plays every shift like it's his last one. Like, and he mm. wants every shift to be better than the one before. Like, he's constantly chasing the puck, whether it's on the boards or like in the slot. He's helping out, trying to create some offense, he's making some good passes, even trying to score at times. So, um, if only the rest of the Canucks played like, played like him every night, uh, we'd be talking about a totally different team. And, uh, yeah, a very, a very probably the brightest spot of this like poor Canucks season. Yeah, and for a second round pick, um, yeah, home run second round pick, home run second round pick. Apparently, I've read before the 2019 draft, he was expected to go in the late first, but for some reason, he fell to the second round, and uh, that's a blessing. Yeah. Um, other teams' losses is the Canucks gain, and that and we got Nils Hoglander, and um. It's only his rookie year, and we're going to be seeing him with the Canucks, hopefully, for uh, many years down the line. 
Yeah, he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a very good middle six forward for this team for uh, for a number of years. And look, he's also gonna be on a cheap contract probably as well. Like that's oh, the, yeah, that, 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 that's the thing I think people the overlook with uh, with Hoaglander is he's actually gonna be worth his contract, which is it is a novel concept for the Vancouver Canucks. It seems. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again sometime. This has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um... Uh, let me know and I hope to do this again soon. All right. Thanks to Joshua Ray for hopping on the podcast. Much appreciated. Okay. We ended it. We're going to end the show with talking about the general strategy for the Vancouver Canucks going into the trade deadline, because I want to, I want to set the stage, a realistic stage for a lot of these players that the Vancouver Canucks could make available. Let's start off with, and I'm basing this off, the 2021 NHL trade board by Craig Custance of The Athletic. Number eight is Brandon Sutter. Brandon Sutter is the eighth best player available. That is a weak 2021 NHL trade board. Not a lot of, not a lot of talent out there. But let's go what some scouts are saying about Brandon Sutter. Quote, he's a hardworking third-line guy. He's slowing down. Does he have value at that trade deadline? Sure, he's got value. He's got a big contract. You wouldn't want to take on much money to add him. Folks, for all these assets the Vancouver Canucks have available to other teams at the NHL trade deadline, you're not going to be they're not getting a big return for these guys. They're not getting a big return for a guy like Brandon Sutter. Sure, you can trade him. The Sutter name probably still has some value for this old for a couple old school hockey guys. But at the same time, again, $4.375 million against the salary cap. With a flat cap, that's going to take some creative, creative accounting to get on your team. And with the Vancouver Canucks, with Francesco Eccolini ownership, not willing to take on extra dollars, not going to retain salary, that makes it very hard for the Vancouver Canucks to move a guy like Brand Sutter. Let's move on to Jake Vertanen because he is 17th. Here is what some scouts said about Jake Vertanen. I wouldn't want to pay a whole lot for him. He's $3.4 million in actual salary. Sorry, but earlier I said $3.7. It's actually $3.4 million. Great, great bargain. Who is going to want to pay that? Well, you almost got a trade with Anaheim Ducks, Dan Heinen, and that was the big issue, right? $3.4 million in actual salary, 2021-2022. And only Jim Benning could sign a two-year contract and then immediately be untradeable. And this is the case if you look at all these deals the Canucks signed this offseason, a lot of them are backloaded. Same with Brain Holpe. That's why it's going to be hard to trade next year if they want to trade him. There's backloaded deals. Tough for these teams to trade. Here's number 18, Tanner Pearson. I'm surprised Tanner Pearson was lower than Jake for Tanner. He'd have some value. He's a good, solid winger, Sennigs. Not flashy, but he can produce. He can play with good players. And you may be able to get something maybe for him. 3.75 mil on an expiring contract is a lot. We've already heard the Arizona Coyotes express interest. Maybe a second, third round pick. Again, with a flat cap, 3.75 million, you're going to have to retain some salary. I don't know if the Vancouver Canucks are willing to do that. So only three real Good assets for the Vancouver Canucks to trade. And you can maybe get a marginal contributor, Dan Heinen, a maybe fourth-round pick or a second, third-round pick. So essentially, two mid-round picks and another contract another team doesn't want. Folks, the Vancouver Canucks are not going to walk away from this trade deadline with a huge haul. That's just not going to happen. But what they can do is clear some of these contracts off their books, create some cap space, and build towards the future. Because this is not this team is not going to become a contender overnight. You have the core pieces, but you're going to have to have a plan. And it starts, honestly, with this upcoming trade deadline. We don't want another repeat. We do not want another repeat of the 2016 trade deadline where... We left guys like Dan Hamhuse die on the vine. 
not getting anything back from him. Moves need to be made this upcoming trade deadline. And if they're not, then we have big problems with the structure of the Vancouver Canucks. I firmly believe that at least one of these players we just mentioned will get moved. But if no, if, if you just lay, if you just stay pat, stay put, then we're in a, we're in a world of hurt. And you're already starting to see the excuses pile up. If you watch that game, their last broadcast, iMac, Ian McIntyre was on the broadcast. Essentially, he was prepping prepping the excuses. He was saying, oh, you, well, you can't let Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes go down the stretch playing meaningless games. Oh, it's going to COVID. COVID's going to be hard to trade these guys. And that's a big worry for me, is using COVID and, and excuses like, we can't let Elias Patterson play meaning, meaningless games, as in if he hadn't played a bunch in his rookie season already. As excuses to not do anything this trade that It's time to be proactive, and it's, try, it's time to try and move some of these guys as best you can. Anyways, that is today's episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. Wherever you get podcasts, we are there. We have this show, Silky and Filthy, Sipping on a 40, The Quickie, four shows, one swipe, one tap, including this show, Power of the Towel, now twice a week until the end of the hockey season. Once again, this is Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Thank you for listening.